seven hour long episodes of chess hello and welcome to another socially distant episode of grape culture the podcast where three women drink alcohol and talk about things and stuff i'm sam i'm kim and i'm alex (laughs) and welcome to the episode on this week's episode, we are talking about the Netflix show The Queen's Gambit. But before we get on to talking all things chess and 60s hair, we have to talk about some wine. And this week, in what is an unusual occurrence on grape culture these days, we have all got the same wine. Yay! <laughs> yes, we finally we finally did it. We kind of all had the same thought, which was, wouldn't it be nice to all have the same wine? Um, and Sam very wonderfully found us some options um from the sunday times wine club so we've got fancy same wine as well um so we have the shot in the dark cabernet shiraz 2019 the tasting notes or the description on the back is as follows life has its ups and downs it can be both brutal and beautiful you can hold yourself away to avoid life's pain but then the beauty seldom finds its way in it's only when you attempt to go where you cannot go or do what you cannot do that you can achieve what you are truly capable of doing. Sure, you might tumble, you might fall. So what? Take a chance. Go way out of the way out on the limb. Dare to try, even if it's just a shot in the dark. I like that. That's good. Yeah. So that kind of, I think, sums up really why we chose it. Like it has that kind of um, underdog, outsider dare to dream element that I think is echoed in the Queen's Gambit. The tasting notes are ripe and round blackberries conspire with flavours of plum and cinnamon spice before intertwining with notes of brooding red berries and fresh brewed coffee, impressive length and structure with a seductively soft and lingering finish. (laughs) Impressive length and structure is what all men should put in their Tinder bios. Yeah. A lingering finish. (laughs) (laughs) seductively soft and lingering finish Um, (laughs) i wouldn't choose that (laughs) i have to say like the tasting notes are wankier than the description which Mm. they don't seem to go together which is weird but um it sounds like my cup of tea if i'm honest or your glass of wine or my or my glass of wine cheers guys Cheers. cheers I'm really happy. This is great. It's very coffee, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's got that um, hits all the bits of your tongue thing going on. Like a lingering finish. Does does Much the finish like linger? I'd say so. I wouldn't call it a particularly soft finish, but, you know. I don't think it's my particular style of red, but it might get better after four more glasses. <laughs> I don't mind it. I mean, I'm I enjoy a coffee, so and it is quite bitter, which I don't mind. I much prefer a bitter wine than a fruity wine. It's okay. I mean, after my very sweet starter drink, it's a bit of a strange concoction. Interesting. Not a crowd pleaser, but I think if you like one for yeah. some people, yeah. If you like rich coffee flavors, then rich you might flavors. like this wine. Which I I think it's very classic of a Cabernet Shiraz. I would say. Tastes like red. Tastes like red. <laughs> Tastes like red wine. Done. <laughs> so the wine, maybe not for everyone, but something that apparently is for everyone is The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, one of the most watched and highest grossing Netflix uh, shows of all time, and I think of last year. Um, 
we're going to get into the discussion but before we do sam do you want to give us a brief summary um of the show the plot etc Sure thing. So uh, The Queen's Gambit is based on a it's based on 1983 novel, I think it was. And it's all about this child prodigy chess champion, or chess grandmaster, I think they're called, called Beth Harmon, who um, the story starts very early in her life um, when her mother dies. She's taken to an orphanage. She's taught to play chess there by the um, custodian of the orphanage. Then she's adopted and her adoptive mother encourages her to enter all these chess um, tournaments. She gradually makes a name for herself, goes on to become the US champion. And then, I right, I could be wrong here. I believe the final competition is world champion, but I'm not sure. Either way, it's a very prestigious competition against the current world champion. Uh, and basically, she smashes it. Long story <laughs> short. <laughs> Spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers. I think the the principle is the last one is an invitational, but in order to become a world champion or a grandmaster, you have to have won one of those things on like in like four different countries or something, which she achieves because she does. She comes high up, high enough up in Mexico City, Moscow, Paris and the US. Yeah. Yes, that's she comes second in two of those, and then first in two of them. There are several many chess tournaments, and I <laughs> much chess, <laughs> <laughs> much chess, and much going. Ah, yes, white has moved, and now it is black's turn. That's all I had. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a brief summary. Like you say, Kim, one of the highest watched Netflix original series. Um, which, when you consider they've got things like Orange is the New Black and various others, that's fairly impressive. And also, in a year where there was a pandemic and no one had anything to do. So, initial impressions: What did we think it was going to be like, and do we think that the series matched up to what we expect, what we wanted it to be, or expected it to be? I mean, I think because I watched it really early on, when the hype was kind of just building, I don't think I had any preconceptions. Uh, maybe for people that watch it later on and hear all the hype. So I have to admit, I didn't even realise it was going to be about chess. So that was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> it was It was a year where it was like new series, like lead female protagonists, like, you know, put out there as a kind of feminist series. I was like, yeah, we're all up for that. Oh, she plays chess. That's nice. <laughs> Did you just see a picture of a woman and go, yeah, go on then? Yes, literally. <laughs> like this is 20, like it was 2020. That's just like what my life was. So that's how little, <laughs> little preconceptions I had about it. I mean, I I really loved it. I really rate it. I think it has many, many good points, but also it's just got something really different about it. And I think maybe we'll go into it later, but it's it's just very clever. The timing's clever. The camera shots are really clever. The, I found it really compelling. And also the lead woman, what is the actor? Anya Taylor-Joy. I thought she did a really fab job. I also am just so amazed at how she can play so many different ages. Like... It's I completely believe her when she's a teenager and then I completely believe her when she's like a young woman and then completely believe her when she's like mid-twenties later on in the series. So it's just like, I, I just think that's bonkers. 
I mean, she obviously, can play an age range of ten years. <laughs> but like you, like really believe her. Like you don't just think, oh, they've stuck her in a school uniform. Like you really believe that she is the age she is. And in a sea of, you know, like white, well-educated men, which I assume the chess world is, I haven't ever dabbled in it myself. Just her and her family were just, just so interesting and different. And yeah, so first impressions, I really enjoyed it, really loved it. Kim, what did you think? Yeah, I definitely really enjoyed it. I didn't, I wasn't blown away with love for it. But at the same time, like, like that is partially because it's been around for so long and there is so much hype and I was watching it quite quickly and it's a little bit bleak at times. And I, a lot of it, I, you know, a lot of what really impressed me about it was the plot is compelling, but I didn't necessarily find the plot anything revolutionary per se, but what they've done with it, the actual way that the show is constructed, the the breaking up of the the episodes, the timing of it, the shots of it, the the like thematic callbacks that they do and and the flashbacks and and all sorts of things like the pacing, all of that was brilliant. So like the plot, if anything, is like the least impressive part for me, which is not to discredit the novel or the story because I think it's a very interesting story. But I think what makes this show stand out is is the actual construction of it alongside like the artistry of it I and I thought it was beautiful I had notions of why I hadn't watched it yet it was one of those things where it's like I really want to watch it but I have I have a little bit of Anya Taylor-Joy fatigue despite not seeing her in anything because she's everywhere but I have seen her face in a lot of things and I have a preconceived notion that I don't like her, which is obviously bullshit. Um, And I think it's just because she happened to be cast as Emma and I have feelings about the casting of Emma. So I was like, well, this is all wrong and therefore she can't be right. But she is brilliant. Like like you say, Alex, she is phenomenal and I I do like her. I'm just being a dick. But I had a little bit of like, I don't want to watch this because what if I don't love it? What if I don't love her? What if it's not as good as I think it's going to be? And actually... There are a lot of really, really good elements, but like I say, I wasn't blown away. I will think I think it's one of those things where it's like I will think about it for a while, but I don't I don't feel like I have like a TV hangover. What about you, Sam? Um, yeah, I didn't watch it at the time it came out. I watched it specifically for this podcast. Mainly because I have that thing where when something is really good and people keep continue to tell me it's really good, I don't want to watch it. Let me make you up really my own mind. No, this I... is made for you. No. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. Um, Maybe in five years' so I... time when I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I have the opposite of hipster syndrome, which is I watch it after it was cool. <laughs> like <laughs> so far beyond it being cool. You're so it's now no longer cool. Yeah, I did I did really enjoy it. I don't I don't know if it needed to be a series. I think this could have been a film quite easily. Really? Um, I haven't thought about that, but I'll let you finish. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I just feel like seven hour long episodes of chess uh, were a bit much. And I understand that you needed to show um, her development as a player and everything. But also my issue with that was that she, the whole point was that she was a prodigy and that she 
had this she could she worked really hard and understood her, like visualized all the pieces and it's she did work at it yes but it's not like she was a harry baltic where she had to really really work at it and then get better and better like so i don't think that her character and skill progression merited 7 hours of television however i do think it was beautifully shot i think that it did interesting things with the theme of addiction and like being a perfectionist and that side of things. And I think there were some really good performances in it. Most notably, the guy whose name I can't remember, who always looks like he's six um, and was in about... Thomas Brody Sankster. Yeah. He does look like... He always looks six. He always looks six. You can try and make him the bad boy by putting him in a leather duster and giving him a moustache and a big hat, but he will always be Liam Neeson's son. Love, actually. See, for me, he... I don't want to say he ruined it because he's very good and he was a very interesting character and, and very like, good performance. It, a really good performance. But him being such a baby, I was just like, I I I'm completely taken out of it every time he was on screen. I like I don't I want to believe you and your acting makes me means that I should believe you, but I do keep thinking that you're twelve. Which is weird because I've seen him in other things where he looks older than he does in this show. I think it's to do with the styling and the fact that he was in clothes that were too big for him and um, clean shaven. Well, he had he had his little mustache. Yeah, his little. Well, I'm thirteen and I'm trying really... to grow my first mustache. Mustache. His Movember yeah. mustache. <laughs> she's she's really tall as well, and like, and he is very petite. Like, and and as much as she's super slim, she has got quite broad shoulders, and and he's got very small shoulders. So compared to her, he was like, I am a little boy. <laughs> But also he kind of acts like a little boy, so I think that's probably part of it, which I think is maybe one of the reasons that they cast him, because it's supposed to be like, look how fucking immature this guy is sometimes. But I do think what he did was very good. I think the fact like that most of the main characters were British and they all did passable American accents and not mm-hmm. just passable. Like, yeah, I wasn't amazing. pulled out. Yeah, I think one of my favourite things, two of my favourite things about the show were the, the performances from the um, main actors and also the, um, the cinematography and the way it was shot. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you, is there anything else that you guys thought was good, or have I covered it all? No, what <laughs> else did you? End um, of I think I think you've covered yeah. it, but I I want to raise my objection to you thinking it could, like you feeling that it could have been a film. Like we, uh, I watched this with my boyfriend, and we actually commented that we're really glad that it was a series because it went into the detail around the chess and really got to go into the like into the characters and, and and pace things and sometimes the pacing was quite amazing there were there were episodes where there were entire relationships in 20 minutes that felt like you knew every every second of that relationship and that if it had been a film where they hadn't been able to do some scenes so long to show the passing of time and it would have been it would have lost some of its sort of richness and interest but also that we had a feeling that if it were a film, it would have a tragic ending rather than a positive ending, just because it would be the kind of prestige film that would get an Oscar nom and therefore can't have happy Oscar noms. So would be sad. Like the rule. <laughs> no, it's not the rule, but like I, you know, I was going to bring this up. Does later, everyone live? I, no. <laughs> must get an Oscar then. Um, I, I feel that a lot of the time films that follow, and a lot of media, but films especially that follow 
troubled and brilliant women end in tragedy. And so I was really glad that it was a series, not a film, because I thought that it got to go into really in-depth and really like lush um, with the scenery and, and the, the the chess and the, the pacing and everything like that. But also you got more of the heart because of that. I really enjoyed it. But I guess that's the thing. Like we had, it's interesting that we've all had quite different views on it, despite that we all kind of liked it. We all have different views about like its merits. So other than disputes about how long it should have been, um, is there anything that you think could have been improved in the show? Because I think it's fair to say that we all enjoyed it to varying extents. But is there anything that you think should have been different? I mean, I do. I, I didn't mention about the length, actually, when you guys were talking. And I do agree. I do think some of it was pointlessly extended. And I actually understood a lot of the relationships between the characters and the storyline and the development of her, you know, becoming really good at chess and also her addiction and stuff like that. I could have grasped that probably a lot quicker than it was portrayed. So I agree with you in that. I I don't, I don't agree that it should have been a film. I agree. It should have been, I, I think it should have been a series like Kim said, but maybe seven hours worth was probably quite overkill they didn't necessarily need to show her beating every single opponent in every single tournament yeah they could have just they could have referenced that in another episode as opposed to you know add it to her development my main criticism which i think was a conscious choice was the male gaziness of it i have a problem with any show in which a woman is shown just in passing on a scene that serves absolutely no purpose and isn't just her like hanging out, but just is like a 10 second scene of someone walking past in underwear. Like I don't, I I, I don't think it's necessary and it's not because I don't want to see it. And it's not because I don't think women do that. I just think like that is not there for anything other than tits. Like that's, that's what that's for it's very sexualized and i think the intent is obviously that it's male gaze because she's in a male dominated dominated world and they only view her as a woman and and it's kind of you're supposed to be looking at it from that lens but i just feel like i could have done without quite as much of it being so like sexualized in a show that i think is otherwise actually really really good at doing doing feminism that feels icky yeah i think there are moments when you're i I agree it's that thing of this is clearly a choice nudge nudge wink wink because of the situation that she is in but also like when she's you know just smoking in her vest and knickers on the sofa getting really high i'm like that that's i feel like that's a fine use of that because that's lounging around in your pants relaxing or getting high depending on how you mm. do it whereas yeah other times it was like mm, not sure if that's necessary yeah i also think i read i read an article um a while ago that was kind of related to that and the male gaze in queen's gambit and it was like part partially critiquing the choice of casting someone like anya taylor joy who is so beautiful like because i think in the book she's not meant to be like stunningly beautiful but the attraction of her is that she's like she's plain looking 
but like brilliant and that makes her really really attractive great whoop to do and it's like you've got someone like Angela Joy who is so beautiful and the styling and everything is so precise and the shots are so well lit and well framed that even when she's on a fucking three-day bender at the lowest point rock bottom she still looks better than I did this morning like she looks basically flawless she wakes up from passing out and banging her head on a coffee table with false eyelashes on with false yeah, eyelashes on looking biggest false eyelashes her, on. her eyeliner is like faultless like it's and she's just fine and like the harry baltic character makes a comment about like his mother was an alcoholic and her skin and something like that and like he he can recognize the same size on anya taylor jordan i'm like can you can you really because she looks like a newborn baby Oh, it's the nude lipstick that she went for. It's like, oh, she looks a little bit like death because she's chosen this lip colour. That is all it is. <laughs> like, yeah, so that I think that the the beauty of this show is obviously one of its greatest merits, but I also think the beauty and sexualization of the show, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Like, it is also a real hindrance to the authenticity of this story. So her infatuation and love with what's his name town i don't get i don't get it really because he's so pretty he is very pretty but in terms of the in-depth relationship they go into with our 12 year old boy and uh dudley dursley (laughs) yeah oh dudley with his very close together eyes no he's so sweet and her very wide apart eyes because they are opposites of each other Yes, but I I don't buy it, really. Like, I don't buy that she's still infatuated with him, that she's still, you know, when she's at the bar with um, that uh, Parisian woman. Cleo. Cleo. And um, Cleo's like, oh, well, who are you in love with? Obviously not Benny. And um, she's like, oh, Towns. And it's like, I don't believe that you've still got a soft spot for him because he didn't have that big of... An imp- surely he didn't have that big of an impact. But he was it, the there wasn't first. He, there, was, he the was the first. first. But it, they spent so much time building all these other relationships, but not that one. So my criticism is also mm-hmm. I think there should have been more focus to allow this infatuation that she speaks of. Yeah, considering he's disagree. only in about three episodes for about five minutes at a time. Yeah. I understand that kind of infatuation. She's super young. And sometimes when you are super young, you're like, oh my God, I love the tissue you blow your nose in, like that kind of nonsense. And also the idea that like the one that got away in a way, like she, the first person that she ever felt an attraction to and it never got actualized. And so she, it lingers. I can understand that, but I agree. This friendship isn't formed in quite enough of a way. And I think it's the fact that when Cleo brings it up and she's like, uh, what do, who, who do you love? Have you ever been in love? Um, that was so offensive and I'm so sorry. Um, but it, but she was very Parisian. She was, she, was, she was aggressively Parisian, yeah. yeah. Um, and the fact, what I found strange about that entire thing was the fact that I don't think that Beth is someone who would use the word love. I don't Mm-mm. think that's a, an emotion that she would... Either either acknowledge or not that she wouldn't feel it, but I don't think she would see it as love. So when when she named Towns, I was like, I can see if the word had been obsession, yes, mm. 
Love, no. Interest, even. Like, is there not anyone that you... Like, have, you like feelings, to fuck? <laughs> have feelings for even would it, and I would have been like yeah Towns but that being said every time he came on screen I was like gosh he is a handsome man every time every time oh, I think, um, yeah, but that's what it is like it's just surface it's just the prettiness he's but yet totally they, beautiful. It, Netflix spent so much time building all these other characters and relationships but not that I think that it's one. the fact that like he's there at the end and he's like this person that she's delighted to see and I understand the reason that he's there is because of his profession but like he's there she's so delighted they have this moment they have this true friendship they have this blossoming he's he's and it was a bit I agree like it's suddenly like oh I didn't realize that they actually were friends I kind of until that moment was like oh there's ships passing in the night kind of thing and then suddenly oh, he's there shame. and then suddenly he's there for her and is this significant bedrock for her confidence and you're like oh i thought it was going to be benny that showed up at the last minute this brings me it brings me on to one of my negatives which is i have an issue with the savior element in this show um which is to say this is a show about a woman doing really, really well and being outstanding in her field. And then the final episode is her. I understand that it's meant to be, yes, she is part of a team and she's accepting help, but everyone on that team is a man and Mm -hmm. everyone who comes to help her at the end is a man. Um, There's no, that there is for a show that is so, and I think we'll talk a bit more about the feminism in the show a bit later on, but for a show that, one of the main themes is, is described as feminism and also in this in the book. It stuck in my craw a bit that they were like, oh, here's a man now. Here's Benny. He's come to rescue you and tell you what move you should do. And then it, I know that at the end it's like, but she did it on her own. But I don't know. There's a there's an element of male yeah. saviour that I don't think needs to be there. I actually thought the same thing and I've, I've kind of gone round and round on this in my head because I was like, I did the same thing. I was like, oh, it's really annoying that it's all men. Well, of course it's all men because she's supposed to be this this trailblazer. And then I was like, it's really annoying that the men come to save her and the men give her the answers. And it's like, well, no, because she does get the answer herself. And she she still did the work to get to that point. They just gave her the extra confidence or the methodical mind. Like they unleashed the methodical mind. And it's kind of, you, you, and I kept going round and round because when they are all doing that like big huggy bit when in the scene at the end where um where she wins where she wins and they're all super excited and a a part of me is like are they congratulating themselves for having beaten this guy and it's like well they didn't do let's say there are you know 200 moves in this chess game they didn't do the other 199 of them they they maybe helped her with one essentially they helped her like plot a course and then that course got upset in three moves so they didn't really do a lot except make her feel like she had seen every angle which and the whole point is like found family and then uh, but yeah like I, I go back and forth back and forth and I, I do think as well there are women um one of the things that I really liked about this was like it's so f- um there are so many women that support her in this show and then of course the flip side of that is, well, of course, 
the black friend comes in in the first episode and the last episode just to help her out and she's like I'm not a garden angel I'm like you fucking are you just gave her three grand out of nowhere when you haven't seen her in ten years that really fucked me off really, that fucked, really me fucked me off. off and I was like I'm so happy to see her wait like and it, it's just it seems like there's it it has two sides the entire way through it couldn't it wanted to do everything well it wanted to do you know themes of found family themes of coming together as a group themes of women helping women and, and forging relationships that aren't romantic um or even if they are romantic don't stay romantic like um like benny and harry like they're still there to help her at the end but at the same time every episode just about has some kind of romantic entanglement every episode has a significant relationship with a man every episode had you know like the the crowning episode like you say sam has all these all these men coming to save her in one way or another and it's like or giving her validation in one way or another mm. and it couldn't it it didn't i think that's one of the reasons why it didn't quite blow me away you could i mean you could just argue that it's good allyship from men to support this woman in this world and they're using their privilege and the fact that they've obviously been taught chess from a much younger age been supported in this journey and yet there's this woman that shows this natural kind of skill and so they're just passing on their pointers that they have been privileged to gain because the fact that they're male and so actually I think it's just more like a great mark of like allyship towards like women like women can do this and fucking better and and it makes a point when they're at the um at the um at that game at the end in moscow of of cutting to a female chess player just to go oh this is the female female world championship for, uh, no the female russian champion she's never played men and then they just skip over her never come back yeah. to her again they're like yeah and also, <laughs> what's, her na- what's her name who gave her the tampon? And it's like, oh, oh, oh yeah. she's just like yeah. blown off, brushed off and never mentioned again. And yeah. she kind of says like, you know, and the last episode has all those women meeting um, Beth at the door each time she leaves the hotel to be like, oh, my God, I love you. You're giving me such hope. And it's supposed to be like, oh, look, isn't she giving such hope to women that they can also play this game? And, and isn't that grand? But like. If anything, her being s- such a lone wolf, like a, a lone star, undermines what it's trying to do. Because you would think that in her 10-year career, she would have paved the way for at least one other significant woman that we see playing chess. Like, not just... not. I'm not saying they need to be at the same level. I'm not even saying they need to be in the same competition. And, oh, isn't it great? They end up together... You know, like, they end up playing each other... But I would have liked to see, like, even just a couple of scenes of, like, in those big swathes of really, really big competitions, like, before they whittle down to the final ten or whatever, a few more female players because of the path that she has has led. But again, like, it, it, it just, it, it's like it falls short a little bit. But in terms of her relationships with women, though, like, I don't... I also don't know whether she would have many female friends just based on her kind of 
I don't know. Like, maybe it is a character choice. Like, again, I've suddenly thought of a negative as well. This opening scene with her mum that they keep on playing out, like, I feel like it's trying to say more than maybe it actually gives across. Mm. Like, um, there's no kind of conclusion about it apart from the fact that maybe you think her dad was this guy that she had enough, the mum had an affair with and then she gets depressed and, mm. you know, like, obviously, d- like, I tries to kill the There's an indication that the mum... I think her mum had... Well. I also think her mum wasn't just depressed. I think there was a more... Su- not significant, that sounds like I'm diminishing depression, but it sounds like there's been an ongoing mental health issue. Mm. Yeah. the main thing. Yeah, there was a there was a complicated relationship with her mum that obviously impacted her a lot and her relationships. But also there was no massive reveal from those flashbacks, which is what I was expecting because, you know, they keep on playing back over and over again. But then, um, so the only thing I can take from that is the fact that they're trying to uh, give an idea of why she uh, has you know, is addicted to alcohol and stuff, why she is maybe the way she is in a certain way. Um, but also her relationship with her adopted mum is really interesting as well. And it's like massively transactional. And, you know, there is love there, but it's an interesting relationship. And so, so I wonder if she actually does seek out these relationships with women. Maybe it's a choice. Just like to come back very quickly to what you were saying, Alex, about the uh, the relationship with her adoptive mother, um, because Alma. I did think that was Alma. I really liked love Alma. Alma. I really liked her. Um, I do think yes, there was there was a degree of uh, exploitation, but she also never made Beth do something she didn't want to do. From what we saw, it was more like very aggressive support. <laughs> <laughs> I felt yeah. rather than yeah. I agree and um I actually I got a little bit choked up because I'm an emotional per- wreck of a person but when the moment when she sort of very you can see it takes quite a lot of her pride to ask could she, you know like I was thinking you could give me 10% as as an agent's fee um of the winnings and it's like the up until that point I was thinking, oh, God, she's some kind of manipulative adopter who is only keeping her because she can make her money. And then at that point, I was like, no. What it did was make her someone who did what she needed to get by, like saw an opportunity and made the best of it, like saw a revenue income. But I also think that she was consistently a supportive mother and supportive in a way that, like, she really wanted Beth to do, like, to be happy her methods for that were not necessarily good but she did she was sincere in her regard and I also think like Beth was sincere in her regard for Alma and they they both had a friendship and a love so I loved Alma I thought she was and I thought she was magnetic on screen like she was wonderful to watch and such a complex character and I really enjoyed it Okay, well, I think that means it's time for us to take a break, uh, top up our glasses and come back and discuss a bit more about the Queen's Gambit, about the feminism in it and also some of the other themes. So we'll see you in a bit. And we are back from our break to talk some more about The Queen's Gambit, uh, which is, again, a Netflix show in case you haven't paid attention in the first half of the show and wonder what we are talking about. But before we continue our chat, how is everyone finding the shot in the dark Cabernet Shiraz? I'm really enjoying it. 
this is very close to my favorite kind of wine like it's a little bit more tang than butter which is kind of normally what I go for in the sort of aftertaste tongue tasty bits but um I'm really enjoying it I'm drinking it quite slowly partially because I had a glass of wine and a gin beforehand partially because I drank a lot of wine last night um and partially just because I'm I'm savoring it like it's it is quite a savory wine I think and and I'm savoring it accordingly it's not as savory as your um green pepper shroom wine wine. no not as savory as my uh pepper steak slice wine no but an easy drinking alternative Alex how about you I mean as far as red wines go it's quite easy drinking. I have nearly finished the bottle, which is quite unusual for a red wine for me. I have no major comments that make me like it or dislike it. I am medium. <laughs> I am medium like it. Okay. <laughs> I am medium like it. Okay. That's fair. Like for, a red, for a red wine, that sounds... Um... Almost like glowing praise from you, pretty much. Well, yeah. It's a bank holiday weekend, so I'm enjoying it. There we go. If it, if I have work in the morning, maybe not. Less so. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I um, it's it's fine. It's not my favourite kind of red, but nor is it the kind of red that makes me want to punch myself in the eye. So solidly middle of the road for the shot in the dark. Actually, I think I have had it before. I think it came in one of my Sunday Times wine subscriptions, and at the time, I remember going, yeah. So similar yeah, reaction today. Uh, How amazing that you would actually recommend it for, for all of us. Do you know how many wines I get and how many I forget that I've had? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry that you have so many wines. Oh, oh woe is Whilst me. Whilst tiniest <laughs> So speaking of um, excess, let's talk about the Queen's Gambit. So something we talked about in the first half of the show was how much we enjoyed the way this show was shot and how well thought through the cinematography was. Um, I'd be interested to hear from both of you about any other visual aspects that you thought really contributed to the show or didn't contribute and actually got in the way, if, the, if, if there was such a thing. What do, you, what do you reckon? What did you see with your eyes? <laughs> I, think in, I think in the theme of this episode and... Queen's Gambit so far it's both it's a thing that is both a positive and a negative was the fashion Mm. the fashion was brilliant really put you in the in the moment and really obviously attractive to the eye but also distracting because you're like that's so she's so swish and it's so elegant and I think I don't know about you guys, but I think there's a lot in a lot of shows where I'm always distracted by the fact that they never wear the same outfit twice. And this was one of those shows where I'm like, she's supposed to be like, you always get the impression that she's one bad decision away from like losing all her money. And I'm kind of like, how do you have this many incredibly stylish and amazing coats? And then at the same time, I needed, almost needed the fashion because it helped me date it. So it was very, the fashion was a really big moment of the show and I think probably indicates a lot of the appeal of the show. And I actually saw an infographic that was like, how you you can tell how old Beth Harmon is because of her hairstyles. Hmm. 
like she ages in a particular hairstyle and I was like oh that's interesting that like of all the things that's what you identify because her face doesn't fucking change um and then she goes from that like inch above the eyebrows fringe baby bangs into this baby baby bangs when she's an awkward gawky teenager and they go what should we do with her well how can we make her this beautiful statuesque woman gorgeous give her a shit fringe Mm. (laughs) yeah so the thing like i love the fashion in queen's gambit i think it's beautiful i think i totally agree with your point kim about the fact that no outfit is ever the same apart from obviously her like school uniform or this kind of it's kind of college. pinafore in the orphanage yeah, yeah and 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 she has that as well with her like mum like her mum makes her this kind of outfit as well it's like this demure um very christian outfit and i find it quite interesting actually that um this uh christian support group like um company gets in touch and wants to support her and there's like political references as well and she very much kind of like pushes away from all that and wants to stand out by herself like I'm I'm not exactly sure what the reference is but like I feel that there's this kind of no I will stand alone I will not uh, be influenced by your dictatorship or mm. however you want to put it. Um, the The thing that I find less, as much as I loved it, the thing I find less encouraging with the fashion is the fact that when she is sober, when she is doing all the right things like following her passion and all those kind of comments that we might say. She's dressed very demurely. Mm. She is wearing the high kind of cut vest, uh, like sleeveless vests and uh, tailored trousers. And yet then suddenly when she's like, oh my God, I'm going to follow my like whatever the fuck I want to do and just like be pissed and smoke, not begrudging addiction because she clearly is addicted to a lot of stuff but she is represented by the choices of Mm. the wardrobe department as being a lot more free like Mm. she's wearing her pants and her vest top and her kimono or open button shirt or um will suddenly the sexuality is linked to being quote-unquote a mess which is a like really especially in something that's set in the 60s yeah it is a really good point alex um especially something that's set in the 60s which is you know free love like that's that's a really backwards kind of restrictive image it's that moment when she goes to do the tournament at the school that she's forgotten about after she's been on the bender um and she turns up, and I mentioned it again before before podcast, the Edie Sedgwick eyeliner, mm. like massive. Um, it was very much what I thought when I saw her looking like that, clearly hungover, probably still drunk, probably still high, was that's her Sandy from Greece. Like that's mm. her, mm. oh, I'm the bad girl. This is the pinnacle of my badness outfit. And yeah, it was very much that like kind of disheveled. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like I think we've said, or if we haven't said, we said it off mic, like even in all these moments, she is still 
beautiful and put together like her yeah her, her, her rock bottom is better than my waking up at you know this morning at eight o'clock this morning for my regular work day like her rock bottom is still impeccably put together precision eyeliner and they make like, a point in the in the show of going yeah do people have accused you of being too glamorous for chess like there is a quote in there about her glamour and I feel like for that line to have hit properly she should have just been a woman in a a regular looking woman in regular looking clothes still being called out for being quote too glamorous because it's clearly it's clearly it's clearly slang for the fact that you're a fucking boobs yeah whereas They've taken a model and gone, aren't you too glamorous for chess? And it's like, well, she's like, too glamorous yeah. to the, for the supermarket. She's, she's too glamorous she's... for anywhere. And I think that the glamour thereof, again, coming back to the point that you made very early on, Kim, is both what made this show really enjoyable because it is really good to look at from all angles, like not just the fashion angle, but like... And even the fact that the like the um the color palette is very sixties, like it's very muted tones for the majority of it. There's not a lot of bright colours until most of her clothes are black and white. On, black and white, or they are kind of shades of like the um like earth tones mm. um and things like that. It's very beautifully shot, but then also at the same time, because it is so beautiful, you're like <laughs> I mean, it it feels like they have Hollywoodified chess and not to say that there aren't chess players who aren't attractive and well put together because I'm sure there are but I would say go out on a limb here and hazard a guess that the majority of people who play chess professionally don't look like that I would be interested to see how this glam glamorized version of the chess world um how much it in a normal non-COVID world, let's say, how much it would have affected like chess club signups and that kind of thing. Apparently, chess board sales like skyrocketed after this got released because loads of people were like, "Oh, it's like it's so exciting! We should play chess." But then, how much of that is also true of like anything in the pandemic? And um, on on the chess-related note, just very off, not off-topic, but. Do you not feel that every household has a chess set, but you don't know how it got there? Because we have one, and I don't know where it came from. At some point or another, if you are of a certain disposition, you will acquire a chess set, they just appear. So this show is only seven episodes long, which um, even for a Netflix show is is pretty short and each episode is roughly an hour. The last one is slightly longer. Um, And I just want to talk a little bit about the ending because this is something that you brought up, Kim, is the fact that a show like this that that is so um, crafted in the way that it is shot and has the themes that this has, which are issues to do with mental illness and addiction and various <laughs> casual sex because it's the 60s and all these kind of things. You you do not expect to necessarily have a happy ending specifically with a female lead character. But this one, for anyone who hasn't seen it, sorry, spoilers, it, it, it has what would be classed as a happy ending, which is that Beth wins the final championship uh, in Moscow, and then just goes to play chess with a group of old men in the park. <laughs> <Out> <laughs> Which is a very, 
<laughs> out of choice. Yeah, not she's not coerced into um, park chair. Dressed like the literal queen on the Yeah, the fact that she's, oh, look, she's all in white. Ah, ha, 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 yeah. Um, although I did like that hat. Great hat. <laughs> Do you think that that ending suited the tone of the show? Do you think it should have been different? What do you reckon? Yes and no. I was surprised that it was a happy ending. We we sat and I, I said, you know, like, do you think this is going to be a happy ending? Do you think she's going to win? And my boyfriend was like, no. No, she's going to OD or some shit. And I was like, yeah, no, I agree. And obviously not the case. And it almost seems like a dream sequence. Like it's almost like unbelievable that she wins and then she goes into this like she's suddenly dressed all in white like an angel and she's let out of this car and she's free and she goes into little chess weird heaven and it's like heaven where you can only move diagonally (laughs) and um i was really happy that it was a happy ending i was also really happy that it was a happy ending that did not end with her like having love declared by Benny and or Harry and or Towns, whose name we don't know, the first name we don't know. Um, but yeah, there was no like romantic happy ending, which I think is also a default. Like in these shows, if they don't get necessarily a professional happy ending, but they find the guy that loves them for who they really are. And actually, no, she got the happy ending that she wanted from the beginning, which was to fucking win. I was happy about it. I was surprised. And as I said earlier, like I think if this was a film, it would have been a tragedy. Yeah. Alex, what did you think of the ending you didn't watch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired. Oh, that is exposing. Um... <laughs> but from what you've heard, like, do you do you think that the show should have ended positively? I was surprised that it ended so positively. I like that it did. I think whether it's because we are in a pandemic or not, I think too many series end in tragedy and especially like Kim said, she was surprised that such a strong female like led someone that is also suffering with addiction and all that kind of stuff. Um, would end in such a positive way it was a it was a good surprise this year has been shit so thank you for giving me something that was yes there there was all the stuff we spoke about there was lots of like flaws with the series but I enjoyed it and I appreciated the positive outcome yeah, I think that it, it could have gone either way. I'm glad it didn't go. I think for it to have gone, oh no, she OD'd shortly after she won was a bit, it would have felt like a disappointing payoff, I think. And the fact that she won was predictable, but also nice. I do think that they glossed over the entire, yes, I am addicted to sedatives or whatever. They, they weren't sedatives, they were something. Um, I'm addicted to this certain kind of pill because they help me play. Oh, I've decided not to take them or have any booze and I'm suffering no ill effects other than I just slightly want to do them. Um, and then I won the championship was a bit, that was a bit like, considering how 
there were a few times when they tried, where all like when Benny was like, Oh my god, do you always drink that much? Okay, fuck off, boy. And <laughs> there were a few other, yeah, points where she'd clearly tried to to kick this habit or or she had successfully for a few years. And and then yeah, just in the most tense moment of their life, when anyone with an addiction knows that the moments of the highest stress are the moments where you're most likely to relapse, they just didn't show any real kind of battle around that. They just went with the battle of, of um, fighting um, Vasily. Is it Borgoff? Borgoff. So I'm glad that it was a happy ending. I don't think it was handled as well as it could have been. It was rushed. Especially for seven hours, yeah. which is why when I said about this should have been a film, if they were just going to rush the fucking ending, yeah, it should have been a film. Finally, to wrap up the show, um, this was never intended to be a show with multiple series it's listed on netflix as a limited series um and the showrunners have said it was only ever meant to be one so the show ends with beth having beat Borgoff. she's as we've said before playing chess in the park with old men how if you were to do a follow-up to this how would you have that story progress because this is a story as we've said from the ending that we've seen that could go several ways is there anything that you would like to add or that you would like to see the only thing that I can think of as an afterward would be Beth training or imparting wisdom to young women like herself. Sharing of intelligence and experience is what I want from Beth Harmon, but it's what I want for Beth Harmon. It's not what I want from a second series, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think there is a second series in that. I think that it's just like, if I were reading the book, that's what I would want the afterward to be. Or if I was watching this in a legally blonde film kind of way where they have the like freeze frame writing across <laughs> the bottom, like that's what I would want. So and so went on to do this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Al, what do you think? I I love the character so much, but I agree. I don't think I don't think I need anything more from her. I I, I feel like I've got a big picture about who she is, her relationships, what her relationship is to chess, her place in the chess world. I think it's interesting talking about her mentorship of other women. I don't know if I'd find that that interesting as a watcher. I'm okay not knowing any more, I think. Fair. Yeah, I, I, I'm with both of you. I think that this doesn't this doesn't need any more because if you continue to follow her life, it won't be about chess. I, I don't think that this is a person who will... It leaves you nowhere to go in terms of her skill because she's at the top of her game when the, when it finishes. So the only way to go from that is down or just to continue in this equilibrium, which is it makes for a boring show. If she remains on her own, then the lessons that she's learned throughout the show seem somehow cheapened if she is with someone then also this the fact that the all the stuff she achieved on her own and this independence also seems cheap. so there's no no way you go with this is is going to give you more than i think the show has already given you so i don't think there's more that that needed to be added and i think they did a really good job of, of wrapping yeah. it up did we have any closing thoughts about the feminist aspect of the show because obviously we've we've I think we've threaded this through really well but like I feel like we probably all had thoughts we might have all had thoughts if not we can just cut this bit that we maybe haven't touched on because they didn't fit into any of the themes or the the, the areas that we talked about because I think that 
intrinsically we've discussed this show as a feminist show and marketed as a feminist show and how or how not it's feminist but do we have any comments about that marketing the reason that we picked it up or anything like that before before we close off i think that it we've talked quite a lot about it already but i do think that it falls down on being an intersectionally feminist um show yeah as as you and I mentioned um just bringing jolene in, in the first episode or two episodes and then the final episode feeds into this uh, again I, i've mentioned it before the problem with the show of um the savior element and this idea of the wiser older black female character saving the younger white protagonist is a problematic character throughout yeah it's best supporting actress syndrome yes like and it, it is... also feeds into the the quote mammy um mm, yes stereotype that is discussed in a in a lot of um lit- literary theory and and things um so that that was a problem for me um and i also think yeah it, it relied a lot on the men to drive the character's development forward where I would have liked to see more women drive it forward. But otherwise I think it was really nice to see the relationship with her mum and that kind of, or her adopted mum and that supportive relationship. And um, I do think Beth is a good feminist character in that she is, she has really, she achieves a lot, but she is also not perfect. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The intersectionality aspect is, as so often a critique in some of the things that we discuss, a real blind spot in shows that otherwise could be brilliant. So we're at the end of the show this week, but before we go, we have both a wine and a show to rate this week. So let's go with The Queen's Gambit first. Why not? I'm going to go first for my rating. I really did enjoy this show. I do think it maybe not as hardworking as it could have been, um, whether that was down to the original source material or the decisions made by the Netflix executives. I don't know. I, I liked it for grapes. I'm going to follow and say I will echo that and go for four grapes as well. Same. I agree. It's it's a four grape show. Like there are, there is room for improvement. So four grapes. And finally, the Shot in the Dark Cabernet Shiraz 2019. What did we think of this? Uh, Kim, let's go in reverse order. You go first. I really liked this wine. I I also really liked this bottle for its description and how well it paired I think with what we've talked about so I'm going to give it four again I think actually no I think I might give it 4.5 because I've really fucking enjoyed it it's not quite a five star because it doesn't have butter but yeah 4.5 4.5 Alex how was your hot in the dark I saw you pouring some white wine there in the background (laughs) um my shot in the dark I don't hate it I don't okay. love it. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Ooh, higher than I expected. Yeah, because I don't mind it. It's fine. Lastly, I will go for the shot in the dark. I 
I liked it. I would not say I loved it. It's not, again, maybe it's the butter thing. Maybe it's because it's not, it's the coffee. I I don't like coffee flavoured things. And this is very coffee-y. So I'm going to go for a three. Solid. Probably won't buy it again though so that is the end of the show this week but don't forget you can follow us on social media we are on instagram at grape culture podcast we are on twitter at grape culture pod or if you want to find out where to buy the shot in the dark or also just to read our review of the show you can go to our website which is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk and don't forget at the moment for season three we are running on a revised schedule so we will be back in a month's time with a brand new episode for you thanks for listening Bye. bye